Welcome. Another episode. Dr. James Beckett here with uh, Tanner Jones. We're talking about sports card insights. And we're going to talk about kind of along the way how the internet has uh, changed and in many, many ways improved sports card collecting. And that's not a eureka sports card insight for today, but we'll unpack that. But first, thanks sponsors, Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication, CompC.com, Burbank Sports Cards, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Heritage Auctions, Hugs and Scott Auctions, Upper Deck, Panini, and Tops. And I can safely say, Tanner, welcome to the show. I think every one of the sponsors has benefited from the internet. And most collectors have, whether they regard it that way or not. There were simpler days back in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, even early 90s. But there's a lot of stuff that you couldn't have gotten that you can get now. So Tanner, welcome to the show. And tell us what it was like in 93 before you kind of took a break from collecting the first time and how the internet was even a factor at all. Okay. Well, as always, thank you for having me. 1993, collecting, definitely a, a much simpler uh, time. I remember riding my bicycle down the road on the weekends to grab some McDonald's and get a couple packs of baseball cards. And there would be a box of 1993 Finest recipe that's open, but I, I would, wouldn't even look at those because I can never, you know, in my wildest dreams, uh, purchase anything like that. Expensive. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd, I'd, you know, stick with the 91 Donruss or 92 Tops and just really be tickled to be able to get those, you know, not really any parallels to be had, maybe a Tops Gold here or there, but um, just really kind of enjoying the photography, the statistics on the back and uh, yeah, just loving the new cards coming out. But, but in 93, if there would have been, I don't even know that there was email uh, widespread in 93 well, and certainly not cell phones. But so how, how did you find out what was cool other than you know, maybe the, our magazine or a local card shop, but you didn't have other social media aspect for people in other parts of the, to say, Hey, you really ought to be locking in on 93 finest. <laughs> you know, you're really, you're really missing the boat here. 91 Donruss, no 93 finest, just, you know, you know, lock in on that and look for the refractors. So how did you find out? Because part of the, there's a data analytic part of the internet, but there's also the social sharing of it. And so you were limited to the people you just hung out with, I guess, right? Yeah. So there was, keep in mind back then as a child, my childhood was baseball cards. That was it. You know, that's the only thing that I that really talked about. You look at my journals from school, they're all about, hey, I'm going to the card shop on weekends. So we, the big chase for us, you know, back in 1990, for instance, was the second card for the Nolan Ryan's and Mother's Cookies. So I would beg and plead my parents to get, you know, fill the pantry with Mother's Cookies cards. And we found out from a dealer friend from church that, you know, hey, if you look on the pallet third row back or something, you know, the it has a better chance to be the second card there than any of the others. And so, you know, finest refractors, I mean, that was so far beyond me. I mean, I just, I, I couldn't have even imagined, but, but we also had something that's very interesting. I don't know if anybody will remember this. We had Prodigy. Yeah. Prodigy was an online oh, system. Right. Like AOL, AOL. Yes. Like AOL. Yeah. But yes. dial up, dial up. Dial up. It was, we're talking late eighties, early nineties. Okay. okay. Um, I actually bought and sell, uh, sold baseball cards there. Okay. Uh, well, you're, you're early. Good. Oh, I was nine, 10 years old. I had my little Rolodex of, of customers and, you know, chicken scratch. My handwriting has not improved at all since then, but I had records and everything. It was, I was having a blast. Okay. Let's fast forward to, you know, so then you come back into the industry in 05, 06, somewhere in there. So you've been off for, you know, whatever, growing up and becoming an adult collector. Were you, I mean, you're very internet savvy. So, I mean, you probably were very pleased at the capabilities that were there. But was there a culture shock or are you just jumping with both feet and say, hey, I can hit the ground running. I can use these new, you know, the these new ways of communicating and analyzing to, to my further enjoyment of a hobby that I've always loved. So first and foremost, I was beyond shocked with the prices of the cards from my childhood. And I think 
I think the junk wax era, as they call it, the card companies, it's probably the best thing that the card companies ever did for them now is because it allows collectors like myself to come back in at a very low entry point. And so you see a, a set of 1990 Donruss being sold for $6, where the shipping is more than the set itself. And I go, oh man, I think I can not only get the sets that I want, I, that I want as a kid, I think I can get the entire run of them for not too much money. So, and so that was, that, was a, that was a big thing for me. That was my first goal was to get all the sets from 80 to 93 or so. And most of that was not local, was, was like you say, with the shipping and we using eBay or some other, I mean, what, how are you using the internet or were you going to a card show or a card shop? Oh, eBay was definitely the first way, the first uh, place for me to go. I was amazed that there could be you know 20,000 listings of 89 Donners, Ken Griffey Jr. rated rookies. Like that, does, that doesn't even make sense to me. I think I saw a car dealer uh, as a kid that had four of them one time going like, wow, he has a lot of those Griffey's. <laughs> Scary thought. Okay. So then you're, so since 05 or 06, you jumped in and you, you were quick to seize upon the new realities that the internet was your friend and was uh, opening up the whole world to you. And if you've been kind of, I mean, how has that escalated as, as you work your way now to the present? Are there any other, because I, I think social media wasn't a real big deal in 05 and 06. No, I, I think I joined Facebook in like 2009. I rarely used it then even. And so it wasn't only, it was, it was only until the past five or so years I really utilized social media for collecting. But, but yeah, eBay was huge. I continued on forward after I learned about the newer cards and go, okay, so I've got my 84 Flare Update set. I've got my 83 Top set. And those are amazing cards. What do they have now? And then there are people that show me these cards with actual pieces that were used in games. And I'm looking at this like alien technology. I'm thinking, this is insanity. So I was I was all in on those cards. It didn't even matter the player. <laughs> you know, I just wanted to get all of them. Are you... Uh, okay, so... But uh, the problem is, like we've talked in other episodes, I mean, it's... You can... So, so when... How did the internet, which made everything available to you, make you... Or not make you, but did that influence the fact that because you could have had anything, you actually focused your collection more because since everything was accepted because you could it'd be hard to be a, a conseco super collector if you're just only in your town you know if you're a local collector you'd be at the mercy of the local dealer but when you have the whole uh, internet to 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 look through it, it made accessible and achievable at least on so do you feel like that was another blessing uh, of the internet to you yeah so i think for any collectors out there the quicker you can come to the realization that you've got to really kind of limit yourself and and you know have a focus the better i remember for example with those game use cards like i said i was getting hundreds of them and i go what am i doing so that's probably the first realization i said well i can there's like a limitless supply of these out here what am i doing getting everything without any focus and so i ended up selling them and then you know kind of re, you know laser focusing on something else instead but yeah that's i think it was definitely a blessing you just got to make sure that you that you actually do have a focus to go forward on because you can get almost anything nowadays well whether i'm looking on comc or ebay or at a card show there's uh, focus is a, is a is a funny word i mean i i have a focus for a few things that I don't really disclose that I that I'm interested in that I just want for my own collection. I don't want to just like you. I've heard you say this. You don't want to tell people what's on your want list, or they'll they'll see you coming. But so there's that focus. But then the unfocus of like what you're saying of just being walking up or seeing uh, some game use stuff that's not necessarily a player that you're uh, interested in. But the price is right. Mm. And so if you're unfocused and you're browsing at a show or like I said, one of these other uh, internet places, then you see something, you think, you know, that's undervalued or I know somebody that wants that and is looking for it. And it's, it's not what I collect, but I can pass it on and mark it up a little bit enough to make it worth my while. So, th but that's part of the insidious nature of the internet is that when you go wandering around 
in all these places, you're, you're going to stumble onto things that are pretty good deals and some things that stretch your budget. And it's, you know, I, I think it was more of a cash basis hobby back in 93 and maybe even in 05 and 06, where people went to a show. Certainly if you went to a physical show, you had, a, you know, a little bit of a wad of cash that you were going to spend. And when that was up, you were done. Where at the internet, it's PayPal or it's some kind of a, a credit card kind of thing, right? So, I mean, even you're buying on Facebook frequently or occasionally or... Yeah, actually, that's uh, I just I picked up a uh, body out of super collection of another collector I found out from Facebook. You know, so they come all over the place: eBay, ComC, the forums, uh, Facebook, Twitter, everywhere. It's just you can't know. Just like when the old days, when you went to a card show, you didn't know what was going to be there. But if you go to the internet now, especially this modern internet that has all these different sites that will assist you in finding what you want, it's pretty unlimited. It's pretty unlimited, and so it's required people to have some level of restraint. Yeah, and it, it's really interesting. The, the One of the main observations I've made uh, from then and now is, for example, you look at a, well, a 1989 Topps Jose Canseco card. I remember going in to a baseball card shop saying, man, I hope they have one of those. I really want an 89 Topps Canseco. The dealer didn't have one. He had an 89 score. I love 89 score, but it wasn't the 89 Topps I wanted. So I walked out of there going, you know, with more appreciation for the score, but also a lot more determination to get that Topps card. And if you think about that card, there's probably about 3 million of them out there. And the dealer down the street didn't have it. Now, fast forward, you look at a checklist that's coming out, okay? And you find out there's a one-of-one bat barrel or bat knob or something. You can target that card, that one-of-one card. And if you look hard enough, there's a very good chance you might actually land that card, which is bizarre. Remember, only one of those made versus the 3 or 4 million that would probably be of 89 tops. (laughs) Well, through... uh and again, I think that's an interesting uh, aspect of the hobby now is that we're like you and I've talked, if something was a one of 10 from 30 years ago, you, you wouldn't even hear of it, see of it, whatever. Now, so much of the product is is visible through breaking or visible through social sharing that you know you, you have a chance at it. You know, you have to know it exists. The card has to be visible before you, you can you can buy it. And, and you know, you can't you, you have to, I mean, what you've done, you've kind of branded yourself somewhat as the Jose Canseco guy so that if people find something that's interesting, they think, well, this, there's a market there. Hopefully it's at a reasonable price. They're not twisting your arm, but the internet has been, uh, to me, uh, let me give, make a statement here and see if you agree with it. I think the internet is a good place to sell individual cards for premium prices, but it's hard to sell large lots of cards at anything but a discount. I would say so, because I think what you do when you're selling lots, the buyers are typically going to be pseudo dealers. You know, they want to make some money off of it and that's fine. You know, I actually sell a lot of lots myself to dealers, you know, because I get it at a good, at a good deal. I might pick out a few cards I like and keep them and then, you know, move them on for a discount for somebody else to, to do it. But yeah, it's the internet's probably best to sell one card at a time or two cards at a time to get the most profit out of, but there can be money made on lots as well online, but it's just, you know, it's, it's gotta be a discount though. Right. And it's tricky to explain and get somebody that there's not, I mean, it's, we've discussed this before. I mean, it's, it's become more and more hobby of, of uh, quality over quantity. I think, mm-hmm. you know, on the other hand, if you have, well, that's probably a good note to end on. I'm talking to somebody that has quantity of quality. Tanner Jones, <laughs> Confessions of a Baseball Card Addict. I think it's it's cool to have, you know, collecting focus and you've certainly done that and, you know, to get a lot of great cards, but to keep it in perspective and to use the internet as a tool and not, and to have a, 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 a real life, not just a, a virtual life is, 
is important too. So ultimately the cards, and I hope in my lifetime, in our lifetime, Tanner, that the cards will always, cards will not be virtual. I, I'm not, no. you know, purely digital card is not something I'm looking forward to because that's just, that's electrons or it's an image. I don't mind seeing your card, you know, that you hold up in front of me. Uh, on the other hand, the, the tangibility is to me an important part of, of the industry and the internet provides an opportunity to see the front and back of it. Perhaps it's graded as well. And the shipping, you can either take delivery in one of several different ways and enjoy the hobby that way. So it's really, it's shrunk the world. It's shrunk, the internet has shrunk the collecting world and made things more visible. And all those things are good. There's just no way we could have imagined that in 93, I don't think. Even hmm. with your early, you were a prodigy using prodigy, but you know, it's hard to imagine that it would be so omnipresent now. And that breaking would mean that last week's product it's not fully broken because I do think there's 10% put back. But if most of it is being broken and pretty quickly then and, and seen, again, that's just kind of a really, it doesn't inflame the market. It, it, it fires up the market. So, and the market's been really hot and that's part of it. So uh, thank you, Tanner. Thank you, Internet, <laughs> for providing a dynamic hobby that we can enjoy. And we can enjoy it 24-7 and in every time zone. Thanks to the internet. So thank you, Tanner. Thanks, listeners. Be back again tomorrow with another episode. The man